0: Hi, I'm Dr. D.C. Cofield. So today we're going to do something a little different than our normal corporate worship experience. Um, Today for me is a day of lament. And a lament is simply a crying out. How, How do we get through our grievance? How do we get through our grief? How do we manage the trials and tribulations that we are in? Uh, This past week for me has been not just one of the most challenging weeks in terms of ministry, but just in terms of living. So many things triggered so many emotions for me listening to a woman lie on an African-American man who was bird watching in Central Park watching Big Floyd, George have the life choked out of him by a Minneapolis police officer. George, a person that I knew, a person that knew my family, knew my daughter really well, and who worked with us in ministry to help take the gospel to people who would never come to our church. He enabled us to take the love of God to them and to establish a church right there in that community. I found myself this week reflecting And I got to tell you all, man, it was hard. I found myself crying, but no tears coming down my face. I thought about my sons. I thought about my newest grandson, who was just born May the 28th. And I thought about me, and I realized that I could have been that brother in the park, and I could have been George Floyd, handcuffed, on that street with a knee on my neck. Because I understand I'm a black man and and when they see me, I'm 6'5, 350 pounds, when they see me, all they see is big, all they see is, is a black man. They don't know who I am because we are still judged by the color of our skin and not the content of our character. And and today is Pentecost Sunday, and and we celebrate the birth of the church. But but I've got to tell you, the the universal church in in my heart, and maybe more specifically the church in America, I I think we are are sick with a virus that is beyond COVID-19. Uh, that, that virus of racism that has moved us to attempt to create a colorblind church in the 21st century when I was never recognized as a fully functioning human being in the 20th century. was never respected for who I am. When the Constitution was written, those words were not applied to me. And when the scriptures were interpreted by my slave masters, that same Bible that I look at that gives me freedom is the same Bible that they misinterpreted to create and continue my bondage. And and y'all, man, I, I I don't know what else to do except the cry out to God. And I know for some of you, 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 you may be like, man, I, I, I need some, some good old singing and I, I, I want to have some good old church and I'm okay with that if that's where you are. But for somebody who's watching you with me, I'm, I'm not going to go out and burn down a police station. I'm, I'm not uh, going to go and throw rocks at police officers. I'm, I'm not going to March and protest that that's not where I am right now. I, I'm just at a place y'all of just grief I, I was already grieving Because of, of COVID-19 and all that has been lost, but God I'm grieving now at a whole nother place And, and so I, I want to share with you And give you an opportunity to join in with me out of this lament Our text today is the 13th division of Psalms, and if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there with me. Uh, one third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, uh, are Psalms of crying out to God, of expressing our grief to God. Some of them are individual laments. Some of them are communal events or lavent, laments. but whether they are an individual lament or a communal lament. They're our cry to God to say in essence, God, what's happening? What's going on? God, here's what I'm dealing with. And if we can't be honest with anybody else, we've got to be able, as people of faith, to be honest with God. And I don't need anybody else's approval to talk to God. So I want you to join in with me in this lament today. And, and I'm, I'm convinced we need to hear from God. If we don't hear from him, we won't know what to do. We need
1: to hear from you. We need a word from you If we don't hear from you what will we do Wanting you more each day to show us your perfect your perfect way There is no other way That we can live Destruction is now Is now in view Seems the world has forgotten All about you Our children are dying People are crying, they're lost without you, so lost without you. But Lord, you said if we'd seek, if we'd seek your face and turn from our wicked, our wicked ways, you promised to heal, heal our land. Father, you can. more each day to show us your perfect Lord show us your perfect way there is no other way that we can live God we need to hear from you there is
0: How long? The psalmist asked that question. And as I looked at this passage, I've got to remind you, I've got to tell you, I, I was reminded of that old Welsh preacher, John R. W. Stott, who pastored the Old Souls Church in London, England. He wrote a book entitled Between Two Worlds. And one of the premises of that book is that every preacher needs to stand with the bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand that we must come to grips with the challenge of both having and being authoritative in our preaching of the word of god but relevant in our contextualization of the word of god and my brothers and sisters If there's ever been a time that a pastor preacher needs to have a newspaper in his hand, it's times like these. Over 40 million people having applied for unemployment over the last month. Over 100,000 people having died in our country from COVID-19. To see the images of racism, and we are reminded that racism is not new, but it is new to being filmed as extensively as it is. And the psalmist says in Psalm 13, beginning in verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul Having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Four times in two verses, the psalmist says, God, how long? How long are we going to have to deal with this? And, and, and I don't know about you, my brothers or sisters, but, but I'm literally saying to God, God, how long? We're seeing images in the 21st century that are literally colored versions of the black and white images of the 20th century. We're listening to songs in the 60s that are as applicable today as they were then. God, how long? How long? How long Am I going to have to apologize for being who you created me to be? How long do I have to be afraid and fearful? How long do we have to live with this injustice that we are seeing in our society today? And my brothers and sisters, I've got some laments. I mean, I've got some things that I'm like, God. I I, I lament the fact that I am part of a religion that I am ashamed to own at times. I I don't even want to call myself a Christian. I want to be a Christ follower because that word Christian has become co-opted and is so politicized. And I don't want to be associated with a group of people who think partisan politics is more important than truth. I lament the fact that I have white brothers and sisters who are complicit in this madness by their silence. I I lament the fact that created in the image of God, I have been denied my human hood and my personhood. And there are still those who say they love the same Jesus I love, who see me as less than a human being and find it acceptable for me and people who look like me to be treated less than animals. I lament that. I lament that in order to not deal with our racist past because of our unwillingness to repent that scriptures have been hermeneutically hacked up and our interpretations have been erroneous and have been subjectively applied I lament that people who took the image of God that they were created to be and recreated God in their image have used that image to enslave my people and I lament the fact that the Holy Spirit has not moved them enough to say we repent and we were wrong and we're sorry. I lament the fact that now we're trying to come up with a colorblind Christianity and we think if we don't talk about it that it must not exist. I lament the fact that we want to erase the n-word from our vocabulary but we're still treated like niggas and sometimes it's done in Jesus' name. David says, how long, Lord, how how long? And and look at the feelings that that David is feeling in verse one and verse two, and, and see if these feelings are familiar to you. He says, Lord, how long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? And I'm sure there's somebody out there who feels forgotten by God when we deal with the injustices that we deal with on a daily basis. When we look at the health disparities in our community, when we look at the fact that we are paid less than somebody else who doesn't look like us for the same job. How long, God, will you forget us forever? We've been dealing with this Since 1619, Lord, will you forget us forever? Will we ever get to the place where we address this this sin issue in our society? And look at what he says. How long, the B part of verse 1, will you hide your face from me? How long will we feel like God is is hiding from us? How long will we not see evidence that he is with us? We're seeing news reports of of looting and fires and and reporters are saying they they don't see any police officers, they don't see any firefighters, they don't see any National Guardsmen. In Minneapolis, it's just just burning. They're just letting people have a free fall. Man, and we've got to feel like that sometimes. God, where are you? Don't you see what's happening? Look at verse 2. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Like how long, God, do I have to feel this way? I mean there's there's a global grief that all of us are dealing with in this pandemic. All of us have suffered loss. A loss of of normalcy. We we've, we've lost contact with families and friends. We've we've lost the ability to to physically touch and 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 to encourage and we've lost the ability those who have lost loved ones. We we've lost the ability to grieve as we have grieved in the past. We, we've lost so much and we're dealing with that loss. Some of you have lost jobs. You've lost positions. You thought your job was recession proof. You thought your job was recession proof you and you found out that you have fallen prey to COVID-19 and this is not a national grieving. This is a global grieving. And then to get hit with all of this stuff. God, how long, look at the B part of verse 2. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? God, how, how long will I have to look up at my enemy and have him not only, and have her not only not see me as an equal, but how long I got to keep on living with them treating me like I am not equal? How, how long? And my brothers and my sisters, I, I can't answer that question. I wish I could. I wish I could. And, and I'm tired. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to talk about no more pie in the sky. I don't want to talk about when we get to heaven. I, I know it's going to be right when we get to heaven. But Jesus said, when you pray, Pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should get a preview of glory on earth, and if we don't get it in the church and amongst the people of God, we won't get it anywhere. See, I'll be honest with you, I lament the fact, not that sinners sin, not like, The devil acts like the devil. I I don't lament that. The devil's supposed to act like the devil. Sinners are supposed to sin. I lament the fact that those who say they know Jesus are quiet because in your quietness, you are complicit. We're blaming those other three officers who were fired. Charges are still pending. Because they watched one officer place his knee on the neck of George Floyd, but they did nothing to stop him. They did nothing to say, okay, let's pull him up now. They did nothing to intervene. How long, God? What what, what are you lamenting about? those of you who are watching, those of you who are streaming, interact with our hosts and let them know what what you are lamenting about right now. What what is it that you hate? What is it that you grieve right now? I, I lament the fact that people have to burn down a building in order to be heard. I lament the fact that people just won't do right because it's the right thing to do, and you've got to make them do right. I lament the fact that my brother George Floyd had to lose his life. Because whatever he did, it didn't justify a man having a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and him not move. I lament that. And so I ask God, how long? How long? But, but here's what I need you to know. And, and this is a trait of, of the Psalms of Lament, the Lament Psalms. There's a pattern. They, there's a cry out to God about what's going on. But, but here's what we have as believers while we cry out to God. There's a time in our crying out where we have to turn to God. And we don't turn to God to turn a blind eye to what's going on. We don't want to be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. But we turn to God because God is our refuge. He is our very present help in the time of trouble. It is in him that we live, move, and have our being. We grieve, but not like those who don't have hope. And when I go to God, with my griefs, when I go to God with my laments, when you go to God with your grief, when you go to God with your troubles and with your trials, it does not absolve us from a responsibility to be salt and light and change agents in this world. What it does do is tell us that the source of the help and strength that we're going to need to be the change agent we want to see is not going to come from those around us. It's going to come from God. Here's the next thing I want you to see. In the midst of your lament, when you ask God how long, you need to ask for God's help. See, what may strike some of you as strange is this 13th division of Psalms, this Psalm of lament Is is really a a prayer, as it were, set to music. This this is a prayer to God. This is literally talking to God. This is this is beyond now. I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. This is more than those very pretty and picturesque prayers when we're identifying God as the grand poobob of the universe. This is. If I ever needed you before, God, I need you now. Watch what he says in verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. He says, Lord, I need you to enlighten my eyes. Because what I may not see with eyesight, God, help me to understand it with divine insight. I've got to ask the Holy Spirit, God, show me what's going on. Show me what's going on, how how we can read the same Bible and, and, and one group say a man deserves to die reading that Bible. And I read that he deserves to live. Help 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 me understand. I don't have to agree with it, but God, help me to understand. Help me to understand how we as a church in the United States embrace capitalism and ask God to bless America in the midst of all of the stuff that we do. Help me, God, to understand how we can vilify and, 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 and crucify a black man who kneels on the side of a football field, not even in the middle of the field of play, on the side of a football field. We vilify him. We say, get the bum out of here because he has had the audacity to infringe upon my entertainment. Negro, you don't have a right to protest. Just play football. But we can see people walk into a Capitol Rotunda with AR-15 long rifle semi-automatic weapons and they be applauded as being patriotic and they are simply protesting and exercising their First Amendment right. What is wrong in our country, God? When for some, A white man kneeling on the neck of a black man is okay. But a black man kneeling on a football field to protest that now is treated like the enemy. And God says, whatever your feelings are, bring it to me. And he says in verse 3, bring your concerns to me. The psalmist says, Lord, enlighten my eyes. God, I, I need you to hear me, Lord. Hear me, not just my words, but God, hear my heart. And open up my eyes so that I might see. And I'm asking everyone, if you're still with me right now, if you're still watching, ask God. God, open my eyes so I can see. I'm, I'm praying that maybe the imagery and the, and the anger and the grief I'm praying that it would open somebody's eyes. I know some, their eyes still will be closed because they don't want to see the truth. But I'm praying that more want to see it than don't want to see it. Here's the third thing that the psalmist teaches us. He says, in the midst of lamenting, you need to rest in the Lord's love for you. You got to rest in the Lord's love. He says, but I, the A part of verse 5, have trusted in your mercy. But I have trusted in your mercy. That contrastive conjunction there. In, In the midst of the lamenting, in the midst of crying out to God, in the midst of saying, God, how long? God, I need you to give me some insight god i need you to give me some understanding but god i have trusted in your mercy god i have trusted in your mercy god i trust in your mercy when i can't trust in anything else god i've got to trust in your mercy i've got to trust in your love that hebrew word hesed is the correlation of 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 that that greek word a uh, uh, love a uh, grace that, that unconditional love, that that unmerited favor, God, I've i I've trusted your unconditional love for me, and and, and, I, and I've got to tell, I've got to tell you, man, man, I've, I have experienced racism in the body of Christ, minimally I have experienced racial insensitivity and ignorance. So much so that if I built my esteem on how others treated me or how they viewed me, I would be a sad, sad person. See, I've learned if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. And for years, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted them to know I love Jesus just like they love Jesus. And, and I wanted them to know. I wanted my white brothers and sisters. I wanted those in the body of Christ to, to know that I am I am. I am orthodox and I am evangelical and I no cuz at the end of the day here's what I've learned some of y'all may not like this and I understand it but here's what I've learned I have been around too many who in Jesus name still treated me like a nigga even though they didn't use the word I was still viewed as less than And I've understood now, I've got to trust in the love, in the mercy, in the hesit, in the kindness, in the grace of God. That's what I need to put my trust in. In the unconditional love that God has for me. You may be crying out to God saying, God, how long? and there's a season of grief and if you're in that season man I'm praying with you because I'm there as well but in the midst of my grieving I don't want to grieve like those who have no hope I've got to turn my face to God I've got to turn my face to God and I've got to say to God God give me insight give me divinely guided insight God help me to rest in your love for me Help me to rest in your love for me. And here's the last thing the psalmist says. He says, you need to rejoice in the Lord's goodness. Now now you might be wondering, you might be saying, wait a minute, I thought this was a psalm of lament. And it is, but here's what I've learned. When you look at the various psalms of lament, there is a place where it is appropriate to cry out to God to level our complaints to God. But here's what I want you to know. There's also a proper place in the midst of laying out our laments to God to focus on God and who he is and what God has done because it is when we celebrate what God has done that we can find hope for what we need God to do. Listen to the B part of verse, 13, uh, verse 5, Psalm 13. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The psalmist begins at protest. He moves from protests to petition but then he shifts from petition to praise. And the praise doesn't negate the protest. The praise doesn't negate how he felt when he said to God, how long? Still got the how long issue, but I can celebrate the only one who can make it right. He says, Lord, you have dealt bountifully with me I, I will exchange my cry of despair to a joyful song and and i've got to tell you right now i don't know about you I, i'm just not at that place right now where I'm, I'm 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 ready to rejoice i don't i don't have praise in me right now i really don't i wish i wish i did and some of you may think i'm I'm not spiritually mature, um, and, and that's okay. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not living for your approval, so I'm certainly not going to die from your rejection. I, I'm, I'm struggling, y'all. I'm struggling. I am, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Uh, I'm struggling. The other day, I, man, I was afraid to leave the house. I, I was afraid to leave the house because I've seen people treat me like a big black man before they found out I was Dr. D.Z. Cofield. I, I heard the shift in their voice. I felt the change in the atmosphere when they said, oh, Dr. Cofield, oh, you Pastor Goodhope. How you doing? Man, I listen to you on the radio every Sunday, or..." I I watched you on television or you did a family member's funeral. Man, I seen the shift. And if I didn't have that on my side, if I didn't have a, a card that said I'm a chaplain for some law enforcement agencies, if I didn't have that, The tone was different and the conversation could have went a completely different way. I'm not there, but, but can I tell you why this psalm is so helpful for me? Psalm 13. It's because the psalm teaches me where I can go. I don't have to stay in a place of hopelessness hopelessness and and pain. I can make a shift. I can say thank you, Lord. I can say thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love for me. I can say, Lord, in in the midst of what's going on, I'm, I'm 58 years old. Um, I remember visiting my great-grandparents in Lincoln, Alabama. I remember slipping on that linoleum floor that was put directly over a concrete floor. And, And I remember slipping and busting my lip and being taken to the local hospital and being denied care because of the color of my skin. I remember being refused service, not as a child, in my 20s, when I moved to Texas. And I lived in Dallas, actually outside of Dallas in Garland, and I remember taking my shoes in. I'm newly moved from the East Coast, and I have a lady look at me like I had something on my face and was like, Wait, I, don't, I don't do your shoes here. it was like whoa what And, and I remember hearing people at a place to help people in need run by Christians celebrate Africans who came in for help and talk negative about African Americans who came in for the same help. But the psalmist says, God, I remember you have dealt bountifully with me. How long? Man, I I don't I don't know. Abraham had to wait 25 years from the time that the promise was given to the time that the promise was fulfilled in the birth of his son, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. Joseph waited 13 years from the time that the vision was given to the time that his feet walked into the palace of free man. Moses waited 80 years Half of that on the backside of a Midian desert. Until God told him, it's time for you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. David waited 12 years between the time that he was anointed and the time that he was appointed. And our Lord, it took 42 generations for the Messiah to come. Our hope and our faith is in God. That we will be able to wait on him and trust him and know that God will see about us. And what he doesn't keep us from, he will keep us through. So I want to tell you as I get ready to close, listen. You're feeling that grief and sorrow. There's nothing unspiritual about feeling that way. That's a natural feeling. Uh, That that fear that I felt not wanting to leave the house, that fear and trepidation I feel that I've never felt before around police officers, and my dad was a police officer, that fear that I and and don't man please don't don't tell me God has not given us a spirit of fear I know what the scripture says I'm telling you how I was feeling I'm not talking about the root of it I'm talking about the reality of it and when I cry out to God and God I say to God how long God are we going to have to deal with this injustice How long are we going to have to go through this? Don't tell me God did not promise us heaven on earth. No, because those of us who are part of the family of God are supposed to be helping to create the kingdom on earth. And I submit to you that we will never find the healing and wholeness in this world that we need until the entire body of Christ, black and white, come together and recognize that there's a problem and we need to address it. If we do, we can see progress made. If we don't, we will not. I'm a graduate of Dallas Seminary. And I believe Dallas for me at the time was One of, if not the finest, seminary training I could get. I wanted to get trained in expositional preaching and Christian education. I understood I would have to contextualize it to bring it back to the black church. I ate the meat, threw the bones away. In 1990, I went to see the then chancellor of the school who had been president of the school during the explosive growth of Dallas Seminary. And he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. Um, Some would call him a dictator. Um, He'd bark out orders, this is what needed to be done, let's get it done. And I went to him. My first year there, he was one of my theological heroes. I had his books on my shelf. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Walford, I said, I want to talk to you about the history of the seminary. And I want to ask you, what what was it that shifted the focus of the school to begin admitting African-American students? Because there was a time that if a black man was walking on the campus of Dallas Seminary, he could be arrested. And historically, they allowed international students to come, including Africans, to come before they admitted African Americans. I said, what was it that moved the school? And and in my mind, I was thinking, man, I'm I'm hoping he's going to say a move of God, Holy Spirit, you know, showed us our... Our errors, you know, our, our poor hermeneutical justification of, of slavery and Jim Crow, you know, that we were enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, we started letting colored people on the campus because the law changed and told us we had to. Y'all, I I looked because I'm thinking, one, did he just, it's 1990. Did he just say colored? And then I'm thinking, okay, don't, don't put a period there, doc. Please put a comma there and say, but after the fact, the Holy Spirit convicted us or something. He said, no, we let colored people on this campus. Because the law said we had to. And here's the sad part. It's sad that the law for the white church is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God couldn't get them there but the law got them to do the right thing. And it's sad even today that where people won't yield to the Holy Spirit, it takes the law to get them there. I'm praying, y'all. I want you to pray for me. I'm praying for you. Uh, Are we going to get through this? We, we, We are going to get through this. But please don't let anybody minimize or marginalize your feelings. And please don't let anybody rob you of your hope in God. Because as long as there is God, there is hope. I believe God can change minds. I believe God can change hearts. And I believe God can use us to change laws and change practices and protocols. I believe God can use us to do it. So we can help at least a piece of the kingdom become a reality here on earth. I love you with the love of Jesus. Love to the family. Uh, You've had a chance throughout to worship and give. Giving and to respond to the call of Christian discipleship. I'm just praying that God blesses you this day in a powerful way. Share your concerns, your laments, your cries to God. And I promise you that cry to God will become therapeutic for your own spirit. And we'll trust God to do whatever needs to be done and to know that if God can't do it, it can't be done. But with man, while all things may be impossible, with God, all things are possible. We have our hope in him.
1: Although the circumstances around us may cause certain dismay, and oftentimes we wonder why, as if it were to be this way. There is hunger all over the land, and we're fighting our fellow men pulling each other down, only to lose. What might have been found, but now we ask this question, is there any hope for the world in its condition? We're at the end of the rope seems that all of our efforts to restore the world of love have fallen short of measure and only God above can change the world. Change the world. Yes, there is hope for the world and an answer for the world. There's no need to worry, worry or doubt, cause it will work out. There's no need to give up our hope. there is hope. There is hope. Yes, there is hope for the world and an answer for the world. There's no need to worry, worry or doubt because. We'll work out, yes, there's no need to give up our hope. For as sure as there is God, there is, there is hope, yes, there is. There